And oftentimes I find that they don't necessarily say I'm having trouble sleeping, but they may volunteer that they're just feeling tired, they're dragging, they don't feel like doing things. Sometimes you may feel that they're depressed when in fact this is actually a symptom of insomnia. Welcome and thank you for joining us for episode one of the Insomnia Insight series brought to you by Azai. This podcast will feature a discussion about a hypothetical patient case and explore the clinical profile of a Schedule IV controlled substance, Davigo, also called Lemberexin, and how it could help manage chronic insomnia. Davigo is indicated for the treatment of adult patients with insomnia, characterized by difficulties with sleep onset and or sleep maintenance. Davigo is contraindicated in patients with narcolepsy. Additional important safety information will be discussed during and at the end of this podcast. Full prescribing information can be found at davigohcp.com. That is D-A-Y-V-I-G-O-H-C-P.com and within the podcast description. We are excited to be joined today by Dr. Ivins and Dr. Raskin. Welcome to you both. Thanks for having us. I'm Seth Ivins. Uh, I'm an internist in private practice um, in Delaware. I have uh, two offices in uh, Wilmington and Newark area, and also have a large uh, addiction population. And I'm Dr. Damon Raskin. I'm board certified in both internal medicine and addiction medicine, and I have a private practice in Southern California. It's Pacific Palisades, and I also treat a lot of patients with addiction as well as insomnia. Now, I don't know about you, Dr. Ivans, but sometimes it's really difficult to figure out what's going on with patients when they complain about sleep issues. Because for me, as a primary care doctor, they don't just make an appointment to discuss their sleep. And they may talk about it at the very end of the conversation. Maybe we have so many things to talk about, their blood pressure, their cholesterol, their diabetes. And then when I'm getting ready to leave the room, they, they may ask me for a specific brand of a sleeping pill just at the end, just like they think I'm just going to write the prescription. What do you think? Yeah, I have to agree with you. Uh, it's not that often that patients present um, and proactively come with a primary complaint of insomnia. Uh, when they do uh, complain, it's usually what we call a, a doorknob diagnosis. You know, when you're leaving the exam room and you think the, the visit is finished, uh, they may ask, oh, uh, do you have anything uh, for me to, to help me sleep? Uh, which is unfortunate because... It really involves a lot more than just writing a prescription. And sometimes when that happens, I may say to the patient, if I don't have time, that we should make a visit specifically to discuss uh, your sleep issues. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. And oftentimes I find that they don't necessarily say I'm having trouble sleeping, but they may volunteer that they're just feeling tired, they're dragging, they don't feel like doing things. Sometimes you may feel that they're depressed when in fact this is actually a symptom of insomnia. Oh, absolutely. There, there are certain complaints that, that trigger us to, uh, to delve deeper in, into their, their sleep uh, patterns. And certainly I find that uh, certain conditions uh, prompt me to be more proactive in my investigations of their uh, of their sleep. For instance, uh, my addiction patients and my mood disorder patients, uh, and my also the pain management patients, because those are conditions uh, that 
that are just so uh, affected by sleep that if you're not successful in managing their sleep, you're not going to be successful in managing those comorbidities. I completely agree. And I think that it's so important. And when patients do that to me, when they uh, put their hand on the door and say, by the way, can I have some sleeping medication? I do the same thing that you do. I say, you know what? Maybe we can have a further conversation. Let's have another meeting because it, it's an extensive uh, discussion because you really want to get to the crux uh, of what type of insomnia, what other comorbid conditions are going on, and the best treatment options for these patients. Today, we're going to talk about chronic insomnia, which we know is a highly prevalent sleep-wake disorder. In my practice, I see a lot of patients with insomnia, and at times, management can be difficult. Every patient's different, so there's always something new to consider when trying to identify the best treatment approach. I've been rethinking the treatment plan for one of my patients. Let's call her Anne. Anne is a female in her 40s, currently works full-time as a social worker for a children's center, and is an avid hiker. Anne presents with difficulty falling asleep and staying asleep most nights, and was diagnosed with insomnia disorder about a year ago. She has a history of major depressive disorder, which has been successfully managed with an antidepressant. Let's discuss what her next step for therapy may be. Well, Dr. Ivans, have you considered Davigo? Davigo is an insomnia medication indicated for adults that was made available recently in 2020. Based on Anne's profile, it seems that Davigo may be an appropriate choice of therapy. Well, I've prescribed it for my other patients and I've considered it for Anne, but haven't tried it yet with her. From what I do know, Davigo is a dual orexin receptor antagonist and is thought to treat insomnia by blocking orexin signals in the brain to suppress the wake drive. That's absolutely correct. In addition, interactions with other targets involved in sleep-wake regulation were assessed with in vitro assays. Davigo was tested in two concentrations, one or 10 micromoles per liter, using a radioactively labeled ligand for each target with significant binding defined as more than 50% inhibition. These data showed that Davigo did not interact with most other targets like serotonin, noradrenaline, histamine, acetylcholine, dopamine, binding sites for GABA or benzodiazepines on the GABA-A receptor. I saw that Davigo was studied in two phase three pivotal studies called Sunrise 1 and 2. Our patient, Anne, who's in her 40s, would not have met the age criteria in Sunrise 1, as they included older patients, males 65 years or older, and females 55 years or older. But Anne does meet the age criteria in Sunrise 2. This study included anyone 18 years of age or older. You mentioned that Anne had reported complaints of trouble falling asleep and staying asleep most nights. For inclusion in both trials, patients were required to not only have insomnia complaints, but also had to meet the diagnostic criteria for chronic insomnia disorder based on the DSM-5. In Sunrise 1, patients were required to have difficulty staying asleep or waking earlier in the morning than desired, whereas Sunrise 2 required difficulty falling asleep, difficulty staying asleep, or waking earlier in the morning than desired. Aside from including the DSM-5 criteria, did either of these trials use other classifications? And how did the patient's insomnia severity compare in each of these trials? 
Well, that's a good question. The insomnia severity index score was the one used for inclusion in both trials. This scoring system is valuable because, as you may know, it provides a subjective guideline for interpreting the severity of a patient's sleep difficulties. Sunrise 1 included patients with an insomnia severity index score of 13 or greater, whereas Sunrise 2 included patients with a score of 15 or greater out of a maximum score of 28. I know many of us are worried about comorbidities in our patients. As I mentioned earlier, Anne has a history of MDD. While her antidepressant has been able to manage her MDD, this is not always the case for most patients. Let's discuss more about what the trials demonstrated collectively for these types of patients. Well, that's a great point as well. Both Sunrise 1 and 2 included patients with diverse medical histories or medical conditions, including MDD like Anne, but also generalized anxiety disorder, migraines, menopause, hypertension, and diabetes. Now, it's important to note that the comorbid conditions must have been concurrently treated or controlled during the trials. On the other hand, we should be mindful of the types of patients who were not evaluated in the DeVigo trials. These trials excluded patients with uncontrolled moderate to severe symptoms of depression or anxiety, current restless leg syndrome, periodic limb movement disorder, narcolepsy, circadian rhythm sleep disorder, sleep-related breathing disorders, and any history of complex sleep-related behaviors. It really is important to understand how a patient may be affected by those conditions when deciding on a new treatment plan. That's exactly right. And that's why the unique study designs help put things into context for us. Davigo was evaluated for sleep onset, the time it took patients to fall asleep, in addition to sleep maintenance, which was measured by the length of time patients stayed asleep. Now, I'd like to talk about the difference in efficacy endpoints of both trials. You know, I really liked how in Sunrise 1, the primary and key secondary endpoints were objectively measured in a sleep laboratory using polysomnography, whereas in Sunrise 2, subjective patient-reported sleep measures were collected using sleep diaries. I like that as well. These data really complement one another, and it was great to see the consistency between patients' sleep lab data and how the patients were actually feeling. Another point of difference in study design was the treatment period. Sunrise 1 had a treatment period of one month, while Sunrise 2 had a longer treatment period of six months, followed by a six-month parallel group extension period. Well, overall, the results from Sunrise 1 and 2 showed that DeVigo may help patients like Anne fall asleep faster and stay asleep longer than those taking placebo. That's true, but let's also look at the safety profile, which is important when thinking through the best treatment approach. In both trials, somnolence was the most common adverse reaction. It was reported in at least 5% of patients re receiving DeVigo at over twice the rate of placebo. 10% of patients receiving 10 milligrams, 7% of patients receiving 5 milligrams, and only 1% of patients receiving placebo reported this reaction. Also, DeVigo may have CNS depressant effects that can impair daytime wakefulness. As these effects may last up to several days after discontinuing DeVigo, patients should be advised about the potential for next-day somnolence. While we're on the topic of safety, the current data do not suggest DeVigo produces any physical dependence or rebound insomnia once it's been discontinued. Interestingly, this included patients from Sunrise 2 who took DeVigo every night for a year. Yes, I agree. This is important to me, especially as an addiction specialist. However, DeVigo is a Schedule IV drug, 
and it does have the potential for abuse, and those with a history of abuse or addiction may be at an increased risk, which is why I always follow these patients with an increased risk of addiction very closely. From your experience prescribing this treatment, how would you start a patient such as Anne on Davigo? Well, before starting a patient like Anne on this treatment, it is important to review the dosage and administration of Davigo. The recommended starting dose of Davigo is 5 milligrams. Now, Davigo comes in 5 milligrams and 10 milligram tablet forms, and you can consider increasing the dose to the maximum of 10 milligrams based on their clinical response and tolerability. Since many of my patients will have had expectations uh, based on their prior experience, what should Anne expect from Davigo? Well, I agree. Expectations are very important to discuss with your patients. And your patients should know that with Davigo, falling asleep may feel a little different than it used to. That's why it's important to give Davigo an appropriate trial period before making any dosage and medication changes. My patients taking Davigo know that the best time to take it is right before bed. I always remind my patients of proper sleep hygiene, such as going to bed at the same time every night. Is there anything else you share with your patients about how to take Davigo? Well, I agree with you. Davigo should be taken immediately before going to bed, and the patient should have at least seven hours remaining before she plans on waking up, and it should never be taken more than once per night. It is also important to note that if Davigo is taken with or soon after a meal, the time to sleep onset may be delayed. Well, that shouldn't be too hard for her to remember. I'm excited to bring it up to my other patients with insomnia, who Davigo may be appropriate for, so we can hopefully get them back on the path to sleep. Thanks for talking through this with me today. Well, thanks, Dr. Ivans. Thanks for the great discussion. To our listeners, please stay on to learn more about the additional important safety information for Davigo and where to get more information. Important safety information. Contraindications. Davigo is contraindicated in patients with narcolepsy. Warnings and precautions. Central nervous system, CNS depressant effects, and daytime impairment. Davigo can impair daytime wakefulness. CNS depressant effects may persist in some patients up to several days after discontinuing Davigo. Prescribers should advise patients about the potential for next day somnolence. Driving ability was impaired in some subjects taking Davigo 10 milligrams. Risk of daytime impairment is increased if Davigo is taken with less than a full night of sleep remaining or at a higher than recommended dose. If taken in these circumstances, patients should not drive or engage in activities requiring mental alertness. Use with other classes of CNS depressants, e.g. benzodiazepines, opioids, tricyclic antidepressants, alcohol, increases the risk of CNS depression, which can cause daytime impairment. Dosage adjustments of Davigo and concomitant CNS depressants may be necessary when administered together. Use of Davigo with other insomnia drugs is not recommended. Patients should be advised not to consume alcohol in combination with Davigo. Because Davigo can cause drowsiness, patients, particularly the elderly, are at a higher risk of falls. Sleep paralysis, hypnagogic, hypnopompic hallucinations, and cataplexy-like symptoms. Sleep paralysis, an inability to move or speak for up to several minutes during sleep-wake transitions. Hypnagogic, hypnopompic hallucinations, including vivid and disturbing perceptions, can occur with Davigo. Prescribers should explain these events to patients. 
Symptoms similar to mild cataplexy can occur with Dayvigo and can include periods of leg weakness lasting from seconds to a few minutes, can occur either at night or during the day, and may not be associated with identified triggering event, e.g. laughter or surprise. Complex sleep behaviors Complex sleep behaviors, including sleepwalking, sleep driving, and engaging in other activities while not fully awake, e.g. preparing and eating food, making phone calls, having sex, have been reported to occur with the use of hypnotics such as Davigo. Events can occur in hypnotic naive and hypnotic experienced persons. Patients usually do not remember these events. Complex sleep behaviors may occur following the first or any subsequent use of Davigo, with or without the concomitant use of alcohol and other CNS depressants. Discontinue Davigo immediately if a patient experiences a complex sleep behavior. Patients with compromised respiratory function. The effect of Davigo on respiratory function should be considered for patients with compromised respiratory function. Davigo has not been studied in patients with moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea, OSA, or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD. Worsening of depression, suicidal ideation. Incidence of suicidal ideation or suicidal behavior, as assessed by questionnaire, was higher in patients receiving Davigo than placebo. 0.3% for Davigo 10 mg, 0.4% for Davigo 5 mg, and 0.2% for placebo. In primarily depressed patients treated with hypnotics, worsening of depression and suicidal thoughts and actions, including completed suicides, have been reported. Suicidal tendencies may be present in such patients, and protective measures may be required. Intentional overdose is more common in this group of patients. Therefore, the lowest number of tablets that is feasible should be prescribed at any one time. The emergence of any new behavioral sign or symptom of concern requires careful and immediate evaluation. Need to evaluate for comorbid diagnoses. Treatment of insomnia should be initiated only after careful evaluation of the patient. Re-evaluate for comorbid conditions if insomnia persists or worsens after 7 to 10 days of treatment. Worsening of insomnia or the emergence of new cognitive or behavioral abnormalities may be the result of an unrecognized underlying psychiatric or medical disorder and can emerge during the course of treatment with sleep-promoting drugs such as Davigo. Adverse Reactions the most common adverse reaction, reported in 5% of patients treated with Davigo and at least twice the rate of placebo with Davigo, was somnolence. 10% for Davigo 10 mg, 7% for Davigo 5 mg, 1% for placebo. Drug Interactions CYP3A inhibitors The maximum recommended dose of Davigo is 5 mg, no more than once per night when co-administered with weak CYP3A inhibitors. Avoid concomitant use of Davigo with strong or moderate CYP3A inhibitors. CYP3A inducers Avoid concomitant use of Davigo with moderate or strong CYP3A inducers. Use in specific populations Pregnancy and lactation There is a pregnancy exposure registry that monitors pregnancy outcomes in women who are exposed to Davigo during pregnancy. Healthcare providers are encouraged to register patients in the Davigo Pregnancy Registry by calling 188-274-2378. There are no available data on Davigo use in pregnant women to evaluate for a drug-associated risk of major birth defects, miscarriage, or adverse maternal or fetal outcomes. There are no data on the presence of lumbrexin in human milk, the effects on the breastfed infant, or the effects on milk production. Infants exposed to Davigo through breast milk should be monitored for excess sedation. Geriatric use 
exercise caution when using doses higher than 5 mg in patients greater than or equal to 65 years old. Renal impairment. Patients with severe renal impairment may experience an increased risk of somnolence. Hepatic impairment. The maximum recommended dose of Davigo is 5 mg in patients with moderate hepatic impairment. Davigo is not recommended in patients with severe hepatic impairment. Patients with mild hepatic impairment may experience an increased risk of somnolence. Drug abuse and dependence. Davigo is a Schedule IV controlled substance. Because individuals with a history of abuse or addiction to alcohol or other drugs may be at an increased risk for abuse and addiction to Davigo, follow such patients carefully. For more information about Davigo, see full prescribing information. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Keep a lookout for more podcasts in our series, Insomnia Insights. To discover more about Davigo and learn about how you can get your patients started, visit davigohcp.com. That's D-A-Y-V-I-G-O-H-C-P dot com.